I'm fascinated by your ice cream process. <laughs> <laughs> a very serious process around it ice is. cream. There's a reason you got me ice cream koozies for my birthday. Hello, 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 and welcome to Well Shit. It really is that simple. I'm Claire. And I'm Serena. On this podcast, we help you to understand about your 12 universal needs, why they are currently not being well met, how to meet them in ways that work for you, and how to consistently do so in quick, easy, and simple ways that fit seamlessly into your life. We'll also help you to understand how doing so will have a positive ripple effect in literally every area of your life. If you like what you hear, come and join the conversation in our Facebook group. And enjoy the show. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, everyone. So it's not a Larry episode today, but it kind of also is starting as one. <laughs> yes. Because I just had, I just found a cat hair attached to my chapstick that I put on my lips. I'm like, I don't even have a cat. How do I have cat? And I've got I've found another one as well. What the hell is going on? Like, like Larry says hi. Yeah, I can say hi without like getting up my nose. Well, that's part of being the family. I can't tell you how much cat hair I probably ingest on a daily basis. It's funny because I remember I... I was never a cat person. Like I always, I remember. I remember. I always identified as a dog person. I just, I didn't understand cats. Like, and then Larry, and then Larry came along, (laughs) and my whole world got turned upside down. Um, But I remember people like, if somebody had cat hair on their clothes, and I'm like, like there was a judgment. There was a, there was a judgment there. I'm like, like. Why wouldn't you like roll it off? uh, Yeah, like you have cat hair on your clothes, and they're like, yeah, it's my cat. Now I'm like, a you want me to try and get all the cat hair off my clothes you're never gonna see me again because it's it's yes almost near impossible, impossible. yeah and i just don't care right like, there we go there oh, it is your oh. point damn like, yeah, i'm trying point. to get i'm trying to get a high five out of that you can have a high five too why not why not <laughs> i've come a long way in loving cats and uh not giving i mean oh oh Whoa. oh we knew it was gonna happen at one point today Totally missed you. Be careful on the floor. Okay. All good. <laughs> right. I said, the, here's the funny thing. Literally, that hasn't happened, I don't think, yet, ever on, like, in terms of, but earlier today, I said to Serena, I'm like, move your coffee. Like, there's a lot of gesticulation going on right now, and I can see you taking it out. I didn't realize I was going to get sprayed with it in the in the process. I get so excited about Larry. <laughs> Are we good? You're the one who brought up the Larry conversation. <laughs> Don't look at me. This was not of my doing today. Yeah, but I, I will knew, gladly participate. But I, I knew you'd love it, which is why I, why I kind of uh, left it. Okay. Are we going to pause the podcast just very briefly so I can actually just go and clean up the puddle that's under my seat? I'll be right back. <laughs> Okay, so we're all cleaned up now, um, and I'm kind well, of at least the spot is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm kind of curious as like I know that like magnesium, like one of the best ways to absorb it is through the skin. I'm wondering if caffeine is the same. Like, am I going to get a boost now? Like, woo-hoo. well, if you find it, let me know. <laughs> what are you doing? Just rubbing myself with coffee grounds? Don't mind me. <laughs> I don't even know what we were talking about before that happened, Larry. Oh yes. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> I love Larry, but still. 
That's not what we're talking about today. Um, today, we are doing the third and final episode in our Guilt and Shame series for this time around. And I am really um, weird. This is a weird thing to say, but I'm, I'm like weirdly excited about sharing this episode because this is such an important thing for people to understand because it happens so, 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 so often. Um, and that is where um, we talked previously about the fact that that's not guilt, it's shame in disguise. Today, we're talking about the fact that that's not guilt, it's an attempt at manipulating your humanity. Now, let's go back to the beginning and just do a quick refresher on what's the difference between guilt and shame. So guilt, as we know, is the um, is when I've we've done something wrong and we use that as a trigger to process how we feel about it, to um, make it right, to make amends and avoid doing things again in the future shame is where we internalize something that i've done something wrong as there is something wrong with me and we often go in that kind of negative shame spiral of like oh i'm so terrible i've done this thing wrong how could i do that blah 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 blah, blah. And we end up going further and further and that's often when we get into the kind of self self-harm coping mechanisms um and it's a it's a kind of a tough spell to get out of now, the thing about it is, is that we talked last time about the fact that um, sometimes people will put guilt on us, but it's actually shame. Like they're, they're, they're saying, oh, this, you should feel guilty about this, but it's actually shame. The thing about it is, is that when what we're talking about today is when somebody is using that natural, valid and helpful and supportive guilt mechanism to try to get you to meet their needs. So as we said previously, like when we do something that affects somebody else, that harms somebody else, like genuinely harms somebody else, that um, we have this natural feeling of like we have a natural feeling inside of us that doesn't feel um, doesn't feel good. All I can think about is um, there's a um, if you've ever seen The Good Place, um, the TV show. There's a there's a there's a point point where he's trying to um, uh, Michael, who's the 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 demon who's um, trying to who's working with them, is saying um, like um, like what is it that feeling like that like when you've done something and you feel sad after like after sad I think he calls it <laughs> <laughs> and it is that's that's exactly what it is like you've done something and you feel sad about it afterwards because you feel sad about the fact that you have affected somebody you've harmed somebody else and as I said that is a good thing because we want to feel like that's our humanity acting as it needs to that is meeting our value need when we are operating in alignment with that when we take action based on that we process how we feel about it with our emotional experience and expression need we operate in alignment with our value uh, with our humanity and then what we do is we actually take action to make things uh, right to shift and change and improve in the future and to make right for the thing that we've done in that moment so that is our the guilt mechanism working exactly Exactly as it is meant to, for helping and supporting us to be decent human beings. But the thing about it is, is that a lot of the time people know this guilt mechanism because they've experienced it themselves. They're like, oh God, when I like do this thing, I feel bad. And when I feel bad, I want to do something differently. So what they do is sometimes consciously, a lot of the time unconsciously, they use, they try to manipulate that mechanism in us to get us to do something that they want us to do to meet their needs. But the reality is, is that that's not guilt because you've done nothing wrong or it's not your responsibility to meet those needs because it's their needs. Um, it's your ability not to harm those needs, but that's not the same thing. Or you haven't and aren't harming them. Again, we need to get really clear on what is the distinction between actually causing harm to somebody and, and, and meeting needs that were never your responsibility in the first place or not meeting needs that were never your responsibility in the first place. And the thing about it is, is that that guilt mechanism, we know we feel bad and we want to do something different. And that is, this is somebody else going, ah, oh, well, if I say to them that this 
impacted me, they will feel bad about it and they will do something differently. Um, and this is misplaced guilt. Like this is not guilt in the first place. This is a manipulation of our humanity. It is not our guilt to feel. It is not our responsibility. This is just when somebody else is trying to use this to get their needs met in the moment. And that, and it may be that their needs, um, it, it may not be even the needs that we think it is. It may be other needs. So um, there's a couple of examples of this. There's one, the very, very potent one, which I will share in a, in a few moments, which is, um, which I found from a, a first date. But that specifically, involves children so I want to um, give an example using adults first Um, and that um, the example from um, my experience was where um, I uh, had an incident with an ex of mine many many years ago where um, we had a different relationship to ice cream and this is going to sound pretty silly and pretty superficial until you realize what the actual consequences and impact of it was so um, what happened was is that um, he had a relationship to ice cream which meant that um, he didn't keep ice cream in the house I, I if he had it he would eat it all um, and so he had a decision he made a decision he wasn't going to keep ice cream in the house because he didn't want to keep eating it So I was like, that's fine. Um, But I'm going to get some that is just for me because I don't have that same relationship with ice cream. I can keep ice cream in the freezer for months at a time. I might eat an entire pint in one go. I might keep it there for months and months and months and have maybe a spoon every week. Like that's just how I am. But I like to have it available if I want to have it. So that if I want it, it's there. But um, um, that's how I do it. And so um, I went to go and have some of my ice cream one day. And there was no ice cream in the freezer. And I was like, hmm, that's weird. I know there was some there last time. And I I kind of have always have like this kind of mental gauge in my head about how much I've got, as in, do I need to buy some more? (laughs) Your mental ice cream gauge. I do have a mental (laughs) ice cream gauge. I have a mental ice cream gauge. It's like, okay, here's where it's at. Oh, when it gets to this level, we'll get another tub so that I'm not going to end up out of it. And that's what I do. Um, so I knew there was some in there. So I went and spoke to my ex and I said, uh, I said, do, do you know what happened to the ice cream in the freezer? And he said, oh yeah, I ate it. And I was like, okay, a couple of things here. First thing, obviously, we had agreed that was my ice cream. Now I'm somebody, I've got no issue sharing food, generally speaking. Um, but it would have been nice, one, if you'd asked if I minded you eating the ice cream, because the answer would have been no, I will just make sure next time I'm out, I get some more so that I know that I have it for one, I've got an expectation of the fact there's none in there currently. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to go to the freezer looking for it. And that I just want to jump in that was no, I don't mind not no, you can't have the ice cream because it's mine. As in like, no, I don't mind you having it. Absolutely. Um, On two, I would have made sure I would, we'd have gone some while we were out so that I knew I still had some in the freezer. Um, But secondly, It would have been really helpful for you to have told me that you had finished the ice cream and that there wasn't any in the freezer. So again, I could make a decision. Do I want to go get some now? Do I want to get some when I'm out? When am I likely to have some again? Like I'll make it like a little calculation in my head about what's the next chance I'm going to need ice cream? Do I need to get out right now? Because it's going to happen in a couple of hours. Or is it a couple of weeks so I can get it next time I leave the house? I'm fascinated by your ice cream process. (laughs) (laughs) A very serious process around ice cream. There's a reason you got me ice cream koozies for my birthday a couple Mm -hmm. of years ago. Was it last year, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. 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 I have a little ice cream koozie so that I can keep the tub in a koozie to keep it cold. Keep it cold and keep your hands. I mean, mean, there's time to take out the tub of ice cream and... I feel like a lot of people have probably had this experience, but when you take out that tub of ice cream and you're holding it, because sometimes you don't want a bowl. Sometimes right. you realize, 
I don't need a bowl. Like, Frequently, the, I'm just spoon and tub. Yeah, yeah, spoon and tub. And then like your hands stuck to it. And then you get and one I'm side that's cold melty. Easily, like, so yeah, it was it was a very thoughtful gift. But yeah, there's this probably way more thought goes into my ice cream stuff than there probably should be. But hey, <laughs> it's how I meet my needs. Some of them. And I realized she appreciates that. Yeah. So I'm like... Ooh, ice cream cookies gifts. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and the funny thing is, is that I actually don't eat that much ice cream compared you, you really to most don't. people, but it's just something that I enjoy every now and again. Um, so, um, so yeah, so that was the kind of conversation. And so I kind of went and spoke to him and was like, look, kid, here's the thing. Like, I don't mind you eating the ice cream. I would have been more than happy to have shared it with you if you'd asked me. But the fact that you didn't ask me kind of feels a little bit crappy because it didn't give me the option to say actually no because I'm gonna have it later that same day or uh, or yes but would you mind going and getting some to replace it so that I have some for when I want it um, and again same thing with not letting me know that there was none in there um, and it, like and generally with food between the two of us we used to of, often eat from the same stuff so it was slightly different with this because this was the one thing that we had in the house where it was like I have some and you have some because we have such a different way of, of, of operating and eating um, ice cream. Operating with ice cream is just kind of a weird thing to talk about. But hey, it's true. So I went and spoke to him about it. And I was like, hey, look, I just want to talk to you about this because this doesn't feel great. And here's the reasons it doesn't feel great. Now, as I recall, um, I wasn't like super upset about it I wasn't like super angry about it I might have been a little bit frustrated about it because when I went to go and actually eat it myself there was none there but I was like generally speaking okay this would have been like I would really appreciate it if it was done this way um and he responded very very strongly to the fact that I had basically called him out for what he'd done and asked him to do it differently um, and when I say he responded very, very strongly to that, it resulted in an argument that lasted, I think it was, I, th I don't remember exactly how long it was, but it was something ridiculous. It was something stupid, like 12 hours. We ended up talking about how he was feeling about the fact that I had mentioned to him about the ice cream and I'd asked him to do it differently in the future, um, which kind of indicates how toxic a relationship it was because no matter what the situation is, that is not a conversation that should take that length of time. No. And nor should it have been him unpacking why he was upset that you brought it to his attention, that he crossed boundaries that were obviously set. Mm -hmm. and, and the thing about it is, is that, yeah, it was like, it, it, people are like, well, it's like, it's it's ice cream. Like, why does it matter? Um, and the reality is, is that, yeah, it wasn't a big deal in the grand scheme of things. If it weren't something else, it would have been a big deal. And it wasn't a big thing. And still, I wanted to ask for what it was that I needed and to point out that the things that he'd done are not things that I appreciated. And I would appreciate it if we found a different way of doing it. It's about clearing little niggles. And we're going to get into that in an, yes, another episode. We absolutely will. But the interesting thing is, is that his, his response to my communicating the boundaries and asking for what I needed was actually an attempt to try to manipulate me into not doing that again. What he was doing is his focus on the fact, on how he felt about the fact that I had brought this to his attention was an attempt to manipulate me to not do that again in the future. The interesting thing was, it was only the following day that I realized, hold on a second, 
we never actually got to addressing the thing that started it in the first place, which if he just said, oh my goodness, you're absolutely right. Next time I will make sure I ask you in advance. And if I don't, because you're not around or what have you, I'll make sure I let you know if I, if I use your stuff so that there's none left. Like that's literally, that would have been the end of the conversation. Literally would have been it. I mean, if, if he'd gone out and got like, bought a replacement box of ice cream. There you go. That's addressed the initial issue. And I'm going to make amends for it. Maybe I'll buy you some sprinkles to go on top of it. There you go. There's a little bit of amends. And here's the thing I'm going to do in the future to make sure that like, it was a relatively minor thing in the grand scheme of things. But we never returned to deal with what the actual issue was in the first, the thing that the catalyst that started this entire thing that would have been so simple. I mean, I just, I think about how differently that conversation would have gone down if I'd been having it with you. Like I can't, like it just <laughs> night and day too close. I mean, like literally different world. Like one screen, other screen. Like, <laughs> like, that's literally how it would have been so different because it would have been like, oh my goodness, yeah, absolutely. So sorry about that. Here's the thing I'm gonna do. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna take you down to Wicked Lib right now and get you some of the yummy ice cream. I know that you like. Um, and um, yeah, I'll absolutely do that in the future. Like it would have been a quick, easy, done. It mm-hmm. would have been so easily and moved we on from. Wolf- both would have gotten more ice cream. Right. <laughs> like, right. Win fucking win. Right. I mean, like, and then it's like, I mean, and then so Let me take you out for ice cream. Okay. Ding, ding, ding. Like, I'm happy now. Like, let's go get the ice cream right this second. Like, there's... There, there is... I, so she different. told me the story originally. I'm like, but why didn't you do this? Or this? Or this? Or this? Or this? Or this? Or this? And it's like... There were like tiny things, not big things. Twenty as well. million options, mm-hmm. simple, and I mean legitimately simple. I'm not saying churn your own ice cream to make amends <laughs> for it. I mean, cool if that's if you feel like you want to go down that route, right? But like simple, teeny yeah. little things, like. But the thing is that the focus for for this episode is about that that he was trying to make me feel guilty for honoring myself, for respecting myself. And he was trying to protect his needs because what happened in that moment, his emotional experience and expression popped up because all of a sudden he felt bad, which is part of that guilt process. The thing is, if you'd been on the guilt track, we would have been like, oh, sweet. We'd have been done in five minutes and we could have moved on and had a ton of ice cream together. Like that could have, <laughs> that's how it could have, that how it could have ended. But what he did instead was, that guilt, what he did was he tried to find a way of pushing it off, making it about me. He was trying to, there was a power dynamic that, because what he felt was that, oh, because I I was, I had more power in that moment because he'd done something wrong. So what he was trying to do was he was trying to leapfrog me and make me wrong for what I was doing. So he was trying to get his personal power need met through having power over me, which is a really icky dynamic, happens a lot. Happens a lot in arguments. It's like, oh mm-hmm. God, oh, you made me feel bad. So I'm gonna make you feel bad. So I'm gonna make you feel bad. And it escalates and escalates and escalates. Um, his value need probably was uh, low because he probably wasn't operating in alignment with who he wanted to be, like how he wanted to be. It's small, it's ice cream, it's really not a big deal. And if it had been dealt with in a quick and easy way, we would have moved on from it. But that, it, it, what it will have done is it would have amplified these in unmet needs. And what he was trying to do in that moment was he was trying to manipulate my guilt response, my guilt mechanism, by manipulating my humanity, by basically telling me how terrible he felt about the fact that i asked him to ask if he wanted some of my ice cream and tell me if he finished it. I mean, yeah, that's a lot of that. And that, 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 this, this, these kind of, 
abusive situation and obviously this is a very small thing in terms of like the ice cream thing but it is this these are the sorts of manipulations that happen where it's like a very valid helpful supportive guilt mechanism is used against us when people try to manipulate us to doing the things that they want us to do to meet their needs which were never our responsibility and the the reality is is that there's a possibility, I will totally own, there's a possibility that maybe I didn't phrase it in the best way possible. Maybe I didn't come at it with the best tone possible. Maybe there was a better way I could have done it. And again, he could have asked for me to have approached it in a way that would have felt more supportive to him. But using that as a way of like then trying to manipulate me to not ever do that again, when actually what I was doing was... I said, I, I don't remember the specifics of the situation. I remember that eventually it got quite frustrating and quite heated because I'm like, we're talking about ice cream. We're not even talking about the ice cream. We're talking about how you feel about the fact that I pointed out about the ice cream like six hours later or what have you. <laughs> we're, we're talking about how you feel about you taking my ice cream. Right, exactly, <laughs> which at his base level. I mean, like, not that I care about you taking the ice right. cream. It's more about, but again, it was about the respect and boundaries thing. And it was like, here's the thing. I've made sure that I have the ability to meet my needs. And what you've done is in that moment, you've compromised that ability because the thing I knew was there that was going to meet that need in that moment, not that I couldn't find another way of done it. I absolutely could. And I probably did at the time, even though this was like before the needs work was really in its full flow. Um, but what you've done is you've taken, and so I'm going to let you know that you've crossed a boundary of mine. But me telling you that I've crossed a boundary of yours is not the same as me crossing a boundary of yours. But because you feel bad about it and you don't know how, maybe you don't know how to deal with it. I don't really necessarily believe that was the case, but um, maybe uh, let's open up to the possibility. Maybe you don't know how to do it. Maybe you don't want to do it. Maybe you're you're trying to protect your needs, but doing using a really shitty strategy for doing it. And what ends up happening, as I said, is that you end up trying to use my guilt mechanism which is working very well, but when that's manipulated, all of a sudden, hold on a second, you're trying to get me to meet needs that actually aren't my responsibility. If you feel bad because you've done something that you don't think you should have done, then there's an answer to that. You could make amends for it. You could address the situation and you could avoid doing it in the future. Like the same thing as everybody else. And this was just one example of like many where this kind of came up, where it's like, hold on a second, my addressing the fact that I had been impacted was then used as a reason to try to make me feel guilty. And it was like, and it's the reason that when I, I had a good friend uh, come and stay with us uh, a few years later and I was driving her back to the airport, it was actually the beginning of the end of that relationship was when she was like, can you ask me a favor? Uh, can, I ask, can I ask you a favor? And I was like, yeah, sure. And she was like, can you please stop um, compromising everything you are and everything you feel to not make him upset and not make him angry and not point out that he's being out of line. And I was like, oh, whoa, okay, uh, say more, please. Um, and she had noticed and it was like, and what had ended up happening was that the, in that moment, because I wasn't really solid in my needs yet and I wasn't aware of what the dynamic that was playing out was what I'd done is I, I would stop saying things. And like she pointed out that there was a, an incident where... I went to say something, he interrupted me to respond to something other than what I was about to say. I said, actually, that's not what I was about to say. I was going to say this. And he got angry with me because he responded to something without listening to me and got angry with me because I put it back on the track that 
I'd originally been trying to talk to him about. Like, I mean, when you look at it like that, and that's what was happening is that, and he, she saw it. She saw him get angry because he'd make a mistake. But what he would do is he would put that guilt onto me as an attempt to try to manipulate my behavior. Um, and that's very, very common in abusive dynamics, which that relationship absolutely was. Well, and that's what I was going to say. There's a, there's a pattern there. We're talking about ice cream, yeah. which is a simple little thing. Yeah. And it can seem in the grand scheme of what life life can <laughs> yeah. be. The ice cream seems like such a small thing, but it's the ice cream and it's the interrupting. And you'll notice like in Claire, if I, Claire and I have had many discussions over the relationships in our lives. Mm -hmm. And so I know some of the other levels and layers and all of that stuff. And it's like, there's a definite pattern. And when somebody keeps showing up in this way, it's like... And when somebody else keeps using, trying to use your, trying to use your humanity to manipulate you to do what they want or to not honor yourself and your needs... That's a problem. It's a problem. And unfortunately, a lot of times they're successful at it. Mm -hmm. Those people will gradually get you to the point where you are. You're like, actually, I'm not going to say anything. Right. Well, and and I'm going to, and I'm going to sort of switch it up now because this was a situation obviously where I was on the, I was on the, the less good side of it in the sense that I was the one being manipulated. And I'm also going to own when I was younger, I would do the same thing. Like if somebody was like calling me out on stuff and I would like, that's where the, the, I mean, the tears would come out. Like if somebody was telling me that I was doing something that was not okay. Like, I mean, we're going back years and years and years again when I was much younger. Um, like the tears of like, Oh, you're being so mean to me. And I'm, I'm trying to use that guilt mechanism to stop them from calling me out on the thing that actually they're entitled to call me out on because I've done something that's not okay. Um, I mean, We've all had situations like this. Yeah, having people, like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I almost got really specific, and uh, I won't do that, but yes. It it happens so frequently. It really does. Like, it really, that's the sad, I mean, it really does, and it's, like, people will throw in, and I know I'm, again, guilty myself of taking a situation that might not be a good situation like you know I'm going through this rough time because of Mm -hmm. this this and this and then I use that as a the excuse but I also use it used yes I've also used used it as the manipulation it's like oh I feel a conflict coming on oh well you can't yell at me this is this is what's going on in my life and it's like it what? doesn't matter what's going on in my life if I'm not showing up as a decent person. Like- right. Well, and it's like, it's that whole thing around, um, like, I mean, even just at a very kind of simple level, like, um, I, I mean, I've, I've seen it with people where like, so, like I've seen somebody buy their partner flowers and I've seen somebody else go, oh yeah, it really must be nice if, like, to get flowers like that. Like, and they'll say it like in front of their partner and in front of other people. And what they're trying to do is there's an element of shame in that Mm -hmm. because it's like, oh, like I'm pointing out that you're not doing it. But it's like, I'm trying to use this guilt mechanism. I'm trying to make you feel bad about it. So you will do the thing that I want you to do, which is to buy me flowers because that's going to meet my needs in the future. Like, it's so icky. Buy me flowers because you want to buy me flowers. And if you don't want to buy me flowers, don't buy me freaking flowers. I'll buy my own flowers. Like... If that's a thing that I want to meet my needs, then I'm going to do that for myself. And this is the thing is this is where this dependency in relationships can be can be so icky. And it's where these things in very, very small, sometimes subtle ways that have huge impacts on us because all of a sudden we're being manipulated into doing certain things and, and not doing other things. And, and whether we're conscious of that or not, 
you're gonna feel the disalignment. Like there's mm-hmm. there's gonna be a it's part, gonna feel ick. Yeah, there's a part of you that's gonna be like, I know I'm I know I'm not wrong, but it's just okay, mm-hmm. okay. Like, yeah. And how many times do you do that before then you're in the the constant cycle of it? And that's when you know those those relationships, whether mentally, physically, emotionally, that kind of abusive like dynamic dynamic yeah. that's when it really starts to Incredibly snowball toxic. right absolutely and it, that's and it is a very slippery slope once you end up down that especially because if somebody sees that that works mm-hmm. then they're going to be that much more inclined to do it again and you see it they'll double down yeah absolutely they'll they'll use they'll use that same me- mechanism over and over again it's the same thing with you see i mean there's a lot of these um kind of caricatures of mothers in movies of like of trying to guilt the um the the son into doing things or trying to guilt the daughter into doing things and that's the thing again it's that same thing they're trying to make them feel bad to get them to do the thing that they the, the one that comes to mind is the the monster in law with the jane fonda um i don't know if you've seen that yeah like, I, I, that's a yeah it's <laughs> where, where she's like she's trying to guilt the son into doing things she's trying to guilt the daughter the new daughter-in-law into doing things but actually what they what she's trying to do is she's trying to use the guilt mechanism about things that they they have no right to feel guilty about. There's no reason for them to feel guilty about, but she's using that as a manipulation to try to get her needs met. The one same that, kind of dynamic. The one that sticks out to me, and we actually have an episode planned on this, is the "if you love me" factor. Oh right, yes. Like, if you love me, you'll do this, and I see it a lot with parents and their children and adults and younger people, and then relationship to relationship, friendships, mm-hmm. like relationships partnerships even at work right like and it might not be if you love me but if you were a good colleague if Mm -hmm. you were a good friend and it's that thing of like oh well therefore if I'm not doing this I'm a bad friend I should feel bad about not being a bad about being a bad friend so I should do the thing that means that I'm not going to be a bad thing so that's where that and that's where that that humanity is getting manipulated and I'm going to meet their needs even if it compromises my, my needs yeah exactly um so there's a there's a story that kind of wraps up the whole kind of guilt and shame thing and there's a little bit of this in it there's a little bit of stuff that we've talked about in the other episodes but it was just such a huge moment for me um that I just I wanted to share about this so I went on a blind date um I've met, I think we met on a dating app. I mean, we're going back several years ago now. And, but I was, I've been doing this work for quite some time at this point. And we, we talked about, it was one of those great first dates where we talked about anything and everything. And like, we took, we went into subject matter beyond just the superficial, which was great. And uh, we were talking about, uh, he had two children, he had two daughters. And um, we talked about various things around it. And then he went, <laughs> He relayed this story to me about how he had dealt with um, a incident between his two daughters. And he was really proud of how he had dealt with this situation. Unfortunately, I've kind of adopted a little bit of Serena's, uh, it doesn't matter if my mouth stays shut because you can still see my face at times moments. This was one of those moments. Um, and what happened was um, he'd said that he'd been, he, they were out uh, in a shopping mall. And um, he didn't share anything about the the um, the preamble to what happened. But what he said was that his older daughter, I think his older daughter was maybe, I think maybe around seven, and his younger daughter was maybe around three. I think that's those sorts of age range. Uh, and he said that his elder daughter had had hit the younger daughter really quite hard. Um, 
And he, he said to me, he was like, he said, uh, he said I, oh, I, I learned how to deal with this from my father. His father was in the military, which immediately got me kind of, <laughs> okay, <laughs> tell me more. Uh, I'm not really sure. I want to know more, I but okay. Say, yeah. <laughs> I'm real concerned about where this is going now. Um, so he said, he said, I got right up in her face. He said, I got nose to nose with her. And I said to her, you should be so ashamed. And everything inside me went, oh, <laughs> Um, unfortunately, I think my face indicated that everything inside me went, oh, because he went, or maybe there was another way to deal with it. Like in that moment, because he obviously read on my face. I'm like, mm, that's not how you deal with that. Not, not only did you do that, you're proud of it. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and he was like, okay, so obviously you have an opinion on this. I was like, well, yes. I was like, firstly, uh, I mean, this guy is sort of six foot four. So if you can imagine like a seven-year-old girl, first of all, you getting in her face like that, you're getting into her personal space and there is a power dynamic there. Like you are, you're already her father. She's already a child. You already have power over her. But you doing that is incredibly intimidating. It's traumatic alone just to get in her face like that. There's a fear. You're trying to instill fear in that moment. Um, and fear is never a good um, ally when it comes to working with children. Like it's not going to support the situation. Um, and he said, uh, and I said, the second thing is, is that the wording that you use, you should be so ashamed. And we talked about the difference between guilt and shame. And I was like, there's a difference between her feeling guilty because she's done something that actually isn't in alignment with who she wants to be. And that that you want, you're teaching her to be the sort of person who makes right when they've done things wrong. Um, or that's 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 one of the options which is the guilt option the shame is there is something wrong with me I am a bad person as soon as you do that there's I said this is it's like immediately starts eroding somebody's self-worth it immediately starts compromising their value need and it immediately starts um creating this kind of downward shame spiral I was like so shame I would definitely not use in this situation I won't use it in any situation, but I would definitely not use it with a seven-year-old child. Um, I mean, just thinking about that, like at seven, mm -hmm. at 16, at 21, like mm -hmm. most people don't know who they are as people. Like they're right. still developing. They're still creating this person that they think they're going to be. Like, as an, I mean, as an adult, like how would I process that? Like how could you like – Putting that, putting that on a child. a child. And it happens like, a lot. Like that phrase is used a lot when disciplining children. Mm -hmm. And it's toxic. Um, it is traumatic. And it creates wounds that often take years, decades to heal. If somebody even finds out how to, if someone gets support with healing that. Or even identifies that that's... Right. One of the roots, a problem. A problem. Like yeah. that's the root of a wound. Right. Like, Absolutely. Because that wound starts front of the mic, Serena, do not cover the mic with your mouth. <laughs> um, when that wound starts, then another wound goes on. It just grows and grows mm -hmm. and grows. And sometimes it might grow to infected a and yeah. It gets to a point that you don't even remember where that initial right. wound started or what was one of the original the wounds. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So um, so he said to me, um, uh, and basically how he said was that she shut down and she stopped hitting her sister. I'm like, well, of course she did. She was terrified at that moment in time because you're towering over her, getting her in her face and telling her she should be ashamed. Um, and he was like, he said, so he said to me, he's like, so how would you have dealt with that situation? Um, I'm like, 
Well, <laughs> for a start, I wouldn't have compromised her personal boundaries. Um, like if there's a difference between if she was like, if she was actively like had a knife in her hand, was waving it around and risking hurting herself or other people, um, like absolutely it's okay to get in some, like get into a child's personal boundaries to stop like to avert further harm, like to stop the harm from happening. Um, but in this situation, the moment had passed. She wasn't doing anything in this moment. That was an intimidation technique. It was your way of trying to control her. And that you are so, you should be so ashamed was again, it was an attempt at manipulating her humanity because he didn't understand the difference between guilt and shame. He just understood that maybe if I make her feel as bad as possible about this, it will stop her from doing it in the future. Well, that's not how shame works. Shame will cause her to self-harm and in some respects could actually can uh, lead her to do more of that stuff because she identifies with that and that's who I am that's just who I am so that's what I'm going to do I'm a bad kid exactly and, I, and I'm going to be a bad kid <laughs> and there were kids at school I remember who were labeled the bad kids and mm -hmm. I don't know how much of that behavior was as a result of that label or just how they were I tr truly I believe that a lot of it was to do with well if I'm going to be labeled the bad kid mm -hmm. I'll be the bad kid like that's what I'm going to do yeah, it's interesting. I think I've had a a previous, what I feel like is a previous life working with children and a lot of the bad kids, like looking back, knowing the needs now, I'm like, they, oh. Oh. and we have another tropical rainstorm <laughs> happening. But um, they weren't bad kids. No. They were kids who were shamed. They were kids that were labeled as things and they took on those labels. And it's, you know, those occasional, the one person who was able to get through to the child. Mm -hmm. It became their identity. Yeah. And yeah. there were sometimes where they're like, you know, I'd be able to talk to one of them because even at a younger age, I was able to be like, oh, there's something. What's going I, on I didn't here? know what yeah. it was, but there was something more to it. And they'd mm -hmm. sit and talk and they'd be like, well, this, this, and this. And at that point, I had no comprehension but it's like they were the bad kid because that's what they were that's how they got their attention that's how they got their needs met because that's, and it's also the label when you get that oh it meets my needs plus it's the label I've been given like a lot of children don't feel like they've got any choice so mm -hmm. that's just well that's who I am so that's who I am like that's how I'm gonna be mm -hmm. so um so I said to so that, that was a, the, the first thing I sort of said to him was that, that I was like the first thing I would have done is in that situation where it's not happening anymore, I would have asked her, why did you hit your sister? And he, and he went, he says this look of like, what? <laughs> what, what, why would you ask that question? And oh, I, why would you want to know why she did something? Yeah. Seriously? Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, seriously. And I, so I said to him and I was like, um, I said to him, I was like, well, the thing about it is, is that, I know that everything we do every second of every day is done to meet our needs, which means that the fact that she's done that, she was trying to meet her needs. My question is, what needs was she trying to meet and why was she trying to meet them in that way? Like what? And he was like, he was like, well, what do you mean? I was like, I was like, I was like, okay, let's give an example. Let's give a, um, a hypothetical about what could have gone down. So for example, your younger daughter may have been Desperate because I mean, we'd been talking about them a little bit. She, she was obviously very energetic and uh, obviously wanted to play a lot and wanted to uh, engage with other people. 
So it's like your younger daughter, for example, maybe she wanted to play and maybe she was going on and on and on and she was getting in your older daughter's face and your older daughter said, no, I don't want to play right now. And she wasn't listening. She was crossing her boundaries. And maybe she was like, and she didn't, she got to the point where she was trying to do other things to put those boundaries in place, but her younger sister wasn't listening. And maybe it got to a certain point where she didn't know what else to do. She just wanted it to stop. And in the absence of having another way of dealing with it, she lashed out and hit her sister. And he went, oh my God. I was like, what? He went, that's exactly what happened that day. And I'm like, well, it's almost like you can understand how she got. Mm -hmm. So the thing about it is, is that what you basically did in that moment was said, because you you didn't find out what happened and why it happened because you didn't identify what were the triggers what was she trying to do how what how can you help her to learn a different way of doing that in the future what ended up happening was her younger sister crossed her boundaries she tried to enforce her boundaries wasn't able to because her little sister wasn't paying attention she then got to the point where she was so desperate that she enforced her boundaries in a very ineffective way admittedly and not a way that we would advocate for and then what happened was you crossed her boundaries by getting in her face and telling her she should feel ashamed of herself um and he went oh shit and I'm like yeah sorry people say that a lot around me uh apologies you don't say yeah (laughs) Um, And so we talked about it and I said, look, here's the thing is that maybe the conversation to have with her is like, I understand how you must have been feeling frustrated. If you're trying to set a boundary with your younger sister and she's not listening to you, come and talk to me. I will make sure that she honors that boundary. And And maybe the younger sister wants to play, like you can offer to play with the younger sister. So she has something to do as well. Maybe this is a, this is a learning for everybody about what do boundaries mean and how do we communicate about boundaries? And when we say no, that means no. And if we, that then is, means that we're not getting the thing that we need. We need to go and find another way of doing it. The come and ask an adult, find a way of having a conversation. Like I'll come and play with you. If your if your older sister doesn't want to play with you, like there's a whole, but there's a whole conversation that's happening here. But by going immediately to shame, like you have done this thing and you're a bad person because of it there's no learning that happens in that there's no learning for the younger daughter who actually was also crossing boundaries but it what the message that the older daughter gets is it's okay for her to cross me boundary my boundaries but it's not okay for me to cross other people's boundaries so then she starts to question her boundaries and whether well does that mean that my I shouldn't set my boundaries it's not you shouldn't set your boundaries. It's like, here's a different way of setting your boundaries. Here's a way of doing that. And if that doesn't work, then we'll find a different way of doing it. If that doesn't work, come and speak to me. I will speak to your younger sister and I will make sure that she respects your boundaries because I respect your boundaries because I know your boundaries should be respected. The same way as I will not get into your personal space. Um, I will come down to your level so we can have a conversation eye to eye about it, but I'm not going to try to intimidate you and fear you into doing what I want you to do. So he in those situa- that situation, he was using two um, triggers. One was the fear. I'm going to try and sh- fear you into doing what I want you to do. And I'm going to try and shame you into doing what I want you to do. None of these are a healthy, constructive way 
to support your child in learning to be a decent human being because what they will either do is they will learn that it's okay for other people to cross their boundaries and they will end up becoming the person who other people compromise or they will learn that that's how you do it with other people and they will become that intimidator and they will become that person who crosses boundaries like those that they they learn more from what you do than what you say so they will either learn that what you do is because that's what you they deserve or what you do is the right way of doing it and they'll start doing it themselves that's where the apple doesn't fall far from the tree a lot of that is the unconscious and conscious learned thing yeah absolutely and so we had this conversation so i was like in this situation i would find out why 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 she did it what was going on for her i would have a conversation i would sit down have a conversation with the three of you so what was going on for you why weren't you listening what she said well i really wanted to play well in which case if you really want to play and she doesn't want to play with you it's important that you respect that she doesn't want to play with you but you can always come and play with me i'll play with you in that situation or we'll find something for you to do that's fun so that you can have fun like this is a great opening for a dialogue that would help everybody to learn and grow it would build trust it would build connection and it would be and here's the thing is that even in that situation you can still say like hitting your and I'm sure that she probably did feel guilty about hitting her sister because that's not in alignment with her with her humanity and her humanity is going to be going oh that wasn't a good idea let's find a way of making that right and not doing that again so she's going to have that internal thing anyway and this is a, a great opportunity to just communicate to her like, okay so do you like i'm guessing you probably feel bad about it right because like uh, i know that you don't like you love your sister and you don't want to hurt her and she probably would be like yes actually i do like yeah that's what happens when we do something that that isn't kind to other people we end up feeling bad about it that's our guilt and it's okay to feel guilty it's okay to process that so then what we look and do is like what can i do to make amends like can i go and get her something to put on her face that, that um, to help with the the healing can I um uh, do something nice for her to to make amends for what it was was that I did so this is all of these are learning opportunities to communicate about uh, our needs like, like recognizing what needs of hers were compromised in that moment what needs of the little uh, the younger daughter were compromised that moment what needs of the adult was compromised mm -hmm. in that moment because he reacted to his needs being unmet it either had his value as a father, they were out in a shopping mall. So how he feels he's being judged by other people, like that's going to impact on his reaction. How he feels like he's like in terms of his value, like I failed as a father because my my daughters are hitting each other. That's not what like there's a lot of things. And his reaction was probably a reaction to his unmet needs. So it's like, OK, what needs are up for me right now? How do I take care of those super quickly so that I, those are not, I'm not reacting from those places when I'm then speaking to my daughter. I am actually focusing on how do I best support her with her needs and learning and growing into being a decent human being. And it's it's often a, a moment of Ooh. learning and of education, especially with children. And sometimes that can feel like a lot, like, mm -hmm. oh, I have to get this through to them. Yeah. Sometimes... There has to be a couple of different situations for it to really be like, okay, this is how we operate. But I am going to use an absolute here. Mm -hmm. Like, it is always better to go through this process and talk about it and find out what the root of this right. was. Because in the future, it can be a reference point if needed. Yes. And it can also be the anchor that's like, ooh, oh, I just did something. I remember talking about this with my father. And, yeah. you know, he said this, this, and this. Not mm -hmm. like, ooh, the last time I did this, he screamed in my face right. and made me feel so bad and all these things. Mm -hmm. You can take that anchor and make it a positive anchor right. for change yeah. rather than a, 
I mean, a, a trauma, a, a trauma, and yeah, that's which really is what it was. really what it is. And who knows that father may have been actually reacting based on the traumas he had. Well, this mm-hmm. scared me straight. I'm gonna right. do this to her, and it's exactly. gonna scare her straight. Well, you were scared, like you really like think of the emotion that right. you're pulling that your anchor from. Absolutely. And the thing about it is, is that here's the thing: is that you look at this situation, and when he and I were talking, it would have been very easy for him to have gone oh fuck I'm a terrible father I'm like I've fucked up how could I've done that to my daughter like and and he could have taken this I've done something wrong and he could have created another shame spiral for himself and gone down that and I said to him I was like I was like you didn't know any differently now you do like here is an opportunity for you to learn like you can go back and now have a conversation with your older daughter and say I am so sorry that I spoke to you that way. I'm so sorry that I compromised. Like I got in your personal space. That must have felt really scary for you. And that's not how I want to be with you as a dad. Because I need you to know that it's not okay for people to do that to you. Like, it, And if I do that, you're going to think that it is okay and it's not. So I'm really sorry for saying the things that I said. And I'm sorry for not asking you what was going on. Like, let, let's have a, con- can we have a conversation? Would you be really willing to talk to me now about it? And tell me why it was that you did that. So... Like he could have then, it would have been very easy for me to have gone, that's not how I'd have done it. Mm -hmm. And for him to have gone, oh God, and another shame spiral started. Like shame spirals don't help anybody. And sometimes I think that's what sometimes happens. It's like, oh, well, I caused this deep pain to somebody else. I have to be, I have to feel equally bad about it to, to somehow create some sort of balance. It's like, no, that doesn't help because the shame doesn't actually create any support or healing or forward motion. It doesn't make anything better. All it does is it means that two people are now sitting in a shitty situation and both feeling terrible about it. Whereas we can use this opportunity and and that's what happened in the moment was I I remember we we left that um we left the pub that we were at and he said to me he was like he said I cannot thank you so much you have forever changed my relationship with my daughters and I will never know how to thank you and we actually never spoke again we actually never saw each other again he was a nice guy it was just wasn't a good fit um but it was it was very interesting how that one moment could have created another a form of shame. And because if, if you, as a parent, get into that shame spiral, you're going to teach your children just from them seeing you that shame spiral is how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't help anybody. And that it's okay to be in the shame spiral. Like, oh, well, that, that's how that's that operates. That's obviously how this works. That's how I that's how I feel better about this, which is not the case because you just feel worse about <laughs> right. it. I, I need to feel like crap to feel better but that's often what people think is that like I have to feel bad about it to feel better about it because I have to feel as bad as possible so that I can feel better because I felt bad and it's like no the the feeling bad is the catalyst to do something to make it better to move things further forward and that was the conversation I had with him was like you didn't know any differently before today now you do you can go and have this conversation with her you can apologize to her you can show her it's okay to make a mistake and it's okay to apologize and make things right and start to move things and heal things and build trust and build connection that might have been severed in those moments. I, go ahead. Okay. I don't want to... No, like, go ahead. Uh, did I hear a breath or a pause? <laughs> um, something that you said that I really want to like kind of highlight for relationships, but especially with parents and their children. There's, mm-hmm. you know, I hear about situations such as this quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And parents don't often go back to their children after the fact to apologize. They'll yes. be like, well, next time I'll make sure I do it this way. Yeah. And there's already a trauma created. Mm-hmm. So you need to go back and if you realize you've done something wrong and haven't addressed it, 
going back helps the healing. Right. Going back helps the growth and the progress in the direction you actually want it to move in. And it helps actually help them to understand how they deal with things when they make mistakes. Mm-hmm. They let you know, They you let them know it's okay to be human because you're human and you're showing them it's okay to be human. And you're helping them to understand oh, it's okay to make mistakes. I would prefer not to, but if I do, here's how I make it right. Here's how I deal with it. And I I deal with it. We don't, yes. just, we don't just pretend like it didn't happen because if it happened and there is an impact, it happened and, and normally, there was an impact. Yeah, and, and that impact actually stays with both of you. Mm-hmm. That impact is like, like there's a part of you like, oh God, I, every time we think about it, it's like, oh God, I feel awful about that thing. But the reason you feel awful about it is because you've not done anything to heal it. Mm -hmm. And that's what the guilt mechanism is, is it's prompting you to do something to heal it. The shame mechanism moves you out of the direction of healing and into the point of self-harm. And that everybody, everyone ends up going in their own little shame spirals. And we want to come together and heal these things by addressing them and not necessarily doing it perfectly. Like, You might not apologize perfectly. You might not have the conversation perfectly the second time round. And if you make a mistake in that one, you go back and have another conversation. I I realize, and it's interesting, that's what Serena and I do with each other. Like the small thing is like, oh, I realize I did that. I'm really sorry for doing that. Like, because then they get, um, we will get onto an episode about this, Um, but it makes such a difference. Well, and there's times that we do that and I'll be like, I just need to clear something really quick, either that you know, I've done or that, that like a situation that happened between us and the other person will be like, oh, I didn't even like, I didn't feel that impact. And it's not that they didn't feel it. They just might not recognize it. As they're not some, aware of They're it. not aware of it. Mm-hmm. Sometime down the road, it could be the most random thing. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Oh, but me coming forward and being like, I am so sorry. I realize I did this. And, you know, there have been many times she's like, oh, I didn't even realize that. She would, though. And thank you. And thank you. I really appreciate you doing that because it shows how you want to show up for me, how you want to show up for us, how you want to show up for your relationships. So, My accountability is that that's I own that. Like, and it's I, for you. I, it's for me. I shouldn't have to be prompted until I'll be like, well, I'll just wait till she brings it up and then I'll apologize. No, if I know I'm wrong now. Because it's part of meeting your value need. That's one of the ways we do it, by keeping ourselves accountable and being the people that we want to be in the world. And that's the thing is that when we when we do that, it strengthens relationships. And when parents do that with children, when we do that with our partners, with our family, with our friends, it just serves to, that, that guilt mechanism gets to operate the way that it is meant to. And it gets to serve us in becoming more decent human beings and building the kind of relationships that we want and need. And want and deserve. And it also, it, it helps for us to not, um, to A, not get caught up in our own shame spirals because mm-hmm. now it's like, oh no, that's, you know, you can talk through it. You can, you, you don't go mm-hmm. into that spiral as often because it becomes easier. It's just something that you end up doing. Yeah. And I am less likely, I would love to say I will never shame somebody or put shame on somebody. Mm-hmm. I act to try not to do that. Mm -hmm. However, if I do, I'm going to learn from it and I'm going to own up to it. And then I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop that spiral right Right. away. My spiral, their Mm -hmm. spiral. Well, you're going to stop your spiral and you're going to attempt to heal their spiral. Like what they do with that is obviously down to them. Um, But there's that invitation to kind of come into that, like, like, 
how can we how can we fix how can we heal this together how can we um make this better between the two of us and it's so much easier to do that with people than it is to try and do it on your own especially when the, these are these situations are um are up because it said like it's so easy for people to go oh yeah i'm gonna make you feel bad about this so you'll do this because that will meet my need and then when they realize they've done it even like unconsciously it's not something like this an intentional thing it's like oh shit <sighs> Okay, I'm so sorry. I realized the reason I was doing this was because I was trying to get you to me. And that's not your responsibility. That's for me to do. And I'm so sorry. If you felt any kind of guilt or shame or burden because of that, I really apologize. How can we make that? How can I make this right? How can we heal this together? And it's just, it, it really does transform relationships. So I think that's it for today. Anything you would like to add to this? I'm good for it now. Um, this is the, the scratching of the surface of this stuff because guilt and shame comes up so much with respect to needs. And um, the it's really important to identify which one we're operating with and which one is going to be constructive and supportive to us and the people around us and which one is going to be destructive and unsupportive. And it's very, very easy. Guilt, when engaged with in a, an appropriate way, is almost always constructive and supportive because it moves us in the direction of healing and it moves us in the direction of change and um, and being a better human being, more decent human being um, and in alignment with our humanity. Shame very, very rarely is, it's, it's almost always destructive. I don't know, in fact, I don't, I can't think of a single example. So I'm going to say it's always destructive um, and say that that is something that when we notice that coming up, when we notice it engaging in our relationships with others, when we notice it in ourselves, that's where we want to pause, come back to where we, what, what, what it was that we did and how do we jump onto that guilt track so that we can then move on towards healing. Also, uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to jump in. This, this seems to be the new thing. It's me saying thing. I'm good yeah. and then I'm... And? Yeah. Um, be careful of jumping on somebody else's shame train as well. Yes. And reinforcing either somebody's self-shame or the shame that they have about themselves or backing up the shaming of somebody. Or adopting it yourself. That Yeah. Any of those things. Like a second we start to like and and that's and this is the thing is that when you notice somebody else is on the shame train, um haha, it rhymes. <laughs> um when you notice somebody else is on the shame train, that's your invitation to like again, like you it's not your responsibility to take them off that shame train and put them on a different one. But through questions you can start to have that conversation. Like I'm curious, what what was what was the what was it that you actually did? Okay, here's the thing you actually did. Okay, so what could you do to make that better? What can you do to heal that? And there are some things, you can't change the thing that has happened. But for example, you might be able to donate to a cause. You might be able to volunteer for something. You might. There's a whole bunch of things that you could do that might help make that a little bit better and start to heal that thing. So it's like through asking questions, that's how you invite somebody to change tracks. Um, and say like, actually, again, like it's like, Rather than you've saw saw me do you've seen me do it with Serena of like we're pointing out where she's creating that label of an identifier for herself and say actually that's something I, I I don't believe that's who you are that is something you might do at times and if that's something you want to change then let's look at how we can change that but there's a difference between it being something you do and it's something being who you are mm -hmm. and likewise like when if you notice somebody else's like shame thing we're like oh shit is that something I should feel ashamed about like like and adopting that and it's spreading and and going even further um, from that point of view so I think that's everything for today you all, all your final all your final bits are complete <laughs> i believe so <laughs>
<laughs> okay, we're going to finish quick just in case. No, I'm just joking. Um, Larry, Larry, Larry. So thank you for watching today. <laughs> yeah, we're really great. That, um, yeah, no. There will be a Larry episode. Don't worry. We'll get to that point. Um, but um, for now, we're going to finish up. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Uh, stay safe. And remember between now and next time to keep meeting your needs. Lots of love. Bye. Bye, friends. That's it for today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and give us a written review. As it will help more people find us. And remember, the only time that the guilt mechanism is actually helpful is when you have genuinely done harm to someone or something else. And that's your opportunity to heal, learn, and grow from it. Well, shit. It really is that simple.